Each week, InvestTalk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for winning investment research. And the answer is YCharts, quality data with easy-to-use tools. You can start your free trial today. And if you purchase during the month of June, you'll get 14 months of YCharts for the price of 12, plus a free subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribe now go.ycharts.com slash investtalk. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June 24th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining me on this fabulous Monday to start the week. And I hope you are ready to call in with your questions. 888 chart 888 That's how you get through. Ask your question. I encourage you to call sooner rather than later. And if you do, we can shape this show to your advantage. And whether you call or not, our goal each and every weekday is to help you incrementally take that next step to your own version of financial freedom. And we do this with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So I hope you give that number a call, 888 chart What's on your mind? Is it Maybe it's about how much to save, your 401k, an IRA, uh, real estate, the economy as a whole. Maybe it's a particular company, a particular sector. Maybe it's an asset class, right? Gold's rising. What about bonds? What about other types of commodities? There's so much to talk about on today's show. What about the national debt? We'll get to that probably in a little bit. But my main talking point today concerns the story that noted hedge fund manager Kyle Bass says the U.S. has more leverage over China than ever before. So we're going to touch on this a little bit because it is an important factor in our global economy. Uh, It's certainly creating some headwinds in the overall economy. It can be argued whether that's dramatic or minor. But the bottom line is it is a, an important factor, uh, both in the near term as well as long term, uh, in relation to our relationship with China. And the massive amount of trade we conduct with them on a daily basis and how that is transformed in the near term because of the trade war and long-term because of the trade war, will have drastic ramifications for our glo- our economy and many of the companies within it. So we're going to talk about that today, but I also have some other topics on my mind as well. Corporate cash hoards, they're, they're actually shrinking, finally shrinking after years of growing, uh, mainly because companies have been borrowing money very cheaply, kind of shoring up their balance sheets and saying, you know, money's so cheap that I'd rather borrow now when I can versus later when it, maybe the credit markets tighten up. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that and what that also means for corporate spending, corporate investment, right? Capital spending and what that trend looks like as well. So we're going to touch on that. Also, the national debt, national debt is rising fast. And it's going to an important factor. I'm going to talk about what asset class does the best when 
our national debt is rising, okay? When our national debt is rising. And then lastly, the leverage loan market. Sheila Bear, the FDIC, former uh, head, or actually the current head of the FDIC, talks about this area of the corporate bond market, corporate debt market. It's closely related to the regular corporate debt market, but it's, it's important to understand the size of it and the potential impact on the economy and the companies. So we're going to touch on all those things uh, today as well. And let's talk a little about the market. You had a down day, decidedly down day, especially for kind of the riskiest areas of the marketplace. You had small caps down over 1%, transportation down about 1.5%. The S&P was down modestly, uh, about 0.9%. Same with the Qs, down 0.19%. So a modest down day, but gold surged, and the market is trying to break out, uh, but after Friday's move as well as today's move, so far it has failed. Doesn't mean it's going to fail for good, but so far it has failed, which is a bearish signal. And based on the economic trends, I think it's likely to fail because we are headed for a recession sooner rather than later. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz, looking at S-A-N-D. This is Sandstorm Gold, a gold miner, correct? Because it's a, John, you there? It's a royalty company. Yeah, hi. Do you okay. hear me? Yeah, I got yeah, you now. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm interested in Sandstorm. Um, because it's a gold royalty company, um, it's kind of expensive, but uh, there are very few of these royalty companies. Um, it's a mid-tier company. I wonder what you thought. Well, I absolutely love the gold space at the moment um, it, for, for multiple reasons, but uh, gold certainly is surging. It looks to be breaking out. And so the fact that you're looking uh, at these uh, names gives me, uh, it makes me excited. I'm happy that you're, you're looking at them. Technically, it looks very strong. Still hasn't broken above its uh, early uh, highs in this year, which worries me a little bit because if you look at some of the other uh, streaming companies like a Wheaton Precious Metals, that's a, a relatively uh, stronger. Yep. Same with Franco Nevada. We own both of those named for our um, some of our managed accounts. Uh, so I like Sandstorm. Uh, I like what you're looking at with the, the the streamers where they own a piece of a lot of different mines. It gives them the nice diversification, uh, pretty consistent cash flows, and they don't have much debt, which I also like as well. So uh, I'm a fan uh, of the mining space, and I like Sandstorm uh, overall. Not my favorite streamer, but you know, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's in the mid-tier space, and it will likely have more upside if the gold market continues higher. Yes, um, these streamers. I mean, they're the the bigger ones. They're very expensive right now. Um, that's why I'm True. kind of hesitant about them. Yeah, but. Hey, thank you. So yeah, much. well, I'm. Uh, yeah, no problem. I I pulled up um I pulled up uh, Y charts here real quick, and I'm just gonna uh, add some of the some of those other big ones, like a Franco Nevada, uh, like a what was the other one? Wheaton Precious Metals. These are all ones that uh, are going to do are going to be similar, right? You're going to be comparing more apples to apples. Where when you're in, even in the mining space, there are different types of of names. Some have a lot of silver exposure, some have a lot of gold exposure, some are, are straight miners versus streamers in this case, right? 
So, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to look at things like enterprise valued EBITDA. What are those metrics looking like in relation to uh, the others? What are their dividends? Uh, and, you know, Sandstorm does not pay a dividend, which, you know, I like. I like a dividend. Who doesn't like a nice little dividend? Doesn't mean doesn't have to be huge, but it has to be a decent size. Uh, and if you're looking at valuation standpoint, uh, it's yeah, it's relatively cheap, uh, especially compared to some of those other miners. So uh, I, I like it. Uh, I would definitely be adding Sandstorm to my portfolio if I was looking to add more gold exposure and can stand the higher, little bit higher level of volatility of a mid streamer as opposed to or you know a mid cap name as opposed to a large cap. Thanks for the call, John. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to take a few seconds to thank our clients as well as listeners who made time to join us Saturday morning at our Invest Talk Wealth Conference. We led about a two and a half hour session. It was only supposed to be two hours, but we, we went long, answered a lot of questions after, uh, and we covered a lot of territory. So if you're with us in person, you very likely learned a great deal about the current market environment as well as income strategies going forward. And many of many of you also had excellent questions, made excellent con- comments and contributions. So I thank you for that as well. But now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, and we are in the final trading week of the month, which has been on pace to be the best June since 1938. But that could change. So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Justin Klein is here, and he's ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Now, even though the market has failed to really break out, we're still right near record territories on the the S&P and the NASDAQ. Uh, Russell still is kind of lagging, uh, but we are on pace for the best June since 1938. 1938, and obviously there's some uh, uh, positive feelings now that the Fed it looks to be cutting rates. So they're likely going to cut rates next month. That's what the bond market is priced in. If you were at the wealth conference on uh, Saturday, you would have known that. You've seen that the July cut is now 100% priced into the bond market, and two to th- sorry, one to two more cuts are priced in, basically priced in for the rest of the year. So the market likes that, or the market has liked that so far in June. And there's some optimism around the Chinese trade deal. Now, gasoline prices increased today for the first time in 24 days. You have the new Iran sanctions that are likely going to squeeze the the oil market to some degree here in the near term. And you have the 10-year Treasury yield down to 2.03%, closed actually down to 2.02% at the close, which is near historic lows. The cost of capital is dropping, and gold is breaking out. Gold is now priced above $1,400 an ounce. And a little bit later in the show, I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell you why this is happening. Now, last week we had a phenomenon. We had a phenomenon where just about all asset classes were moving up: bonds, currencies, the U.S. dollar, oil, gold. And we kind of saw that. So even Bitcoin uh, looks to be 
rising each and every day, now at around $11,000 a coin, and Facebook coming out with their own cryptocurrency that maybe will give some more credence to the, the space, but I still don't think so. I think uh, there's a long way to go when it comes to the technology behind the crypto space. Now, FedEx is now offering two-day air for some, the same price as ground, and the big question is why? Well, FedEx is projecting growth in online shopping will double the number of packages shipped in the United States to as many as 100 million per day by 2026, only seven years from now. So they're trying to capitalize on that growth. growth. And after initially saying they're handling too much of their the low margin e-commerce shipments, they've kind of pivoted and basically changed their, their stance. And FedEx is not only the big not only making big shipping changes, UPS is overhauling its network to adopt the online shopping or adapt to the online shopping boom. So if, and what's interesting is if you look at the FedEx's chart, it's not looking very good. Same with uh, UPS, they're both trending downward. So I think that one is telling for the economy that their, their prospects uh, are looking more dire but also the fact that I think their margins are going to get squeezed as there is a race against Amazon to get market share in the delivery space. Now, more good news for Disney investors. I'm going to Disneyland on Saturday. No, I'm just joking. I actually am. But Disney's new animated adventure movie, Toy Story 4, pulled in $118 million over the weekend. But they had hoped it was going to bring in $200 million. But if you take all of Disney's box office revenue so far this year, they're doing better than expected. So, you know, you're gonna want some are gonna be big hits, some are, are not gonna be quite as big. But overall, Disney is doing pretty well when it comes to their titles hitting the market this year. And obviously, this helps fuel their content creation space, their streaming service, their 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 uh, theme park visitations, their apparel and merchandise sales, etc. And shouldn't be shocking. Really shouldn't be shocking. Disney has a great uh, library of just content and intellectual property that they're going to be able to leverage for a very, very long time. Now, this is Invest Talk. We are already into the final trading week of June, and many of you might feel the urgent need to get your portfolio in shape right now. Obviously, with the market kind of chopping, going sideways for about a year and a half, and the fact that we're likely headed to recession in the next six to nine months, well, it's probably a good time for you to get a portfolio review. Just reach out to myself or Steve, and we can help you reach your goal of financial freedom. So please feel free to contact us in our Irvine, California office. That number is 800-557-5461, or you can send us an email at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your finance and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888 888- 99 chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Appreciate the show. I have a question about PE ratios. Just hearing some of your analysis, it seems like some companies 
have, say, a 20 PE, and you would call that cheap, and other companies have, say, a 10 PE, and that would be expensive. Just wondering how to better analyze PE ratios and if we need to factor in other company-specific information or industry information and what PE numbers are suitable for what industries. Any information you have on that would be great. Appreciate it. Thank you. Great question. Now, P ratios are the simplest way to that people look at the valuation of a stock. You know, what are they trading today in relation to their earnings? It's uh, it's pretty straightforward, but it also is fraught with problems. Uh, and just like anything you're looking at, you have everything's uh, in context. Everything uh, is in relation to something else, right? Even the value of the dollar is in relation to the euro, right? So when you're looking at P ratios, there are three pretty, I don't want to say easy, but simple ways to think about how to adjust your thinking. First is the industry in which they operate in. And I've said this before, is that you have your low margin mining companies or retailers they tend to be very cyclical and don't have very good long-term growth. They kind of grow with the overall economy, and they're going to trade at low P ratios in general. And so if you're looking at a miner that's trading for a 12 P ratio versus maybe a software company trading at a 30 P ratio, the software company could still be a better value because you're, you're really comparing apples to oranges. So when you're looking at any P ratio, you have to look at the prevailing or average P ratio within the industry. And then on top of that, you have to look at, okay, which companies are growing the fastest and have the longest or the best shot at continuing to grow over a long period of time, have the best growth trajectory. And a lot of that has to do with industry dynamics, the intellectual property that they may have, the leadership they have within the organization, uh, et cetera. So the better growth the company has, the higher P ratio it should have in general, okay? And then next is debt. Uh, that's one of the biggest flaws with PE ratios is the fact that it does not consider in the level of debt a company is holding, right? So when you're just think of the what the, what is the PE ratio exactly? You're talking about earnings. That's fairly straightforward. That can be manipulated, but that's getting into the weeds a little bit. But P is the market cap of the comp of the com company. So if there's a million shares outstanding, it's trading for $100 a share, then it's worth $100 million market cap. And that's what that P is. But then you have two companies with the exact same P or market cap. One has no debt and the other is laden with debt, especially in this environment where uh, non-financial corporate debt is near record high or at record highs. There are a lot of companies with that have bought back shares, borrowed money, bought back shares, and just have leveraged up their balance sheet to a large degree, and it gives them huge operating leverage both ways, on the upside as well as the downside. So it's a much riskier business. So clearly, you're going to want to buy all things being equal. If they're both worth $100 million, I'd rather buy the company that has no debt versus the company that has a bunch of debt, right? So that P is very, very flawed if you're ignoring the debt factor. So those, I think, are the three ways you really have to understand P ratios in context. And that's why I like to use enterprise value over the P or the market cap because it incorporates debt. Uh, and 
just looking at any metric, any ratio, any profitability metric, anything like that, you really have to understand it in context to the industry as a whole. All right, now let's pivot to our main talking point today, and that concerns a note from hedge fund manager Kyle Bass, and he says that the U.S. has more leverage over China than ever before. And you really have to take this a little bit with a grain of salt, though. Now, he is the CIO of Heyman Capital Management, and he is known for profiting and betting against subprime mortgages during the financial crisis of 2008, but he's also been a China bear for many, many years, and he has pushed the president to not give in to the corporate push for them to resolve the trade war, right? Because corporations, obviously, most corporations in America today do some business with China, where they produce their products in China, like an Apple, and they want a resolution. They want clarity in how our trade relationship is going to unfold over the next three, five, ten years so they can make plans. And so they want a resolution. What Kyle is saying is that we have had more we have more power today than we ever have over China because they're not handling this trade war very well. Okay? And he thinks that President Xi is going to look for a deal at the G20 summit in Japan next week. And that it's important for the United States President Trump to not give in to their demands and I've said this before that I think this is going to be dragged out because I think they're both very hard-headed both President Trump President Xi and China looks very long term and that's why I think eventually Trump will get some concessions but he'll come to a deal probably later in the year now on tomorrow's invest talk why should keep your eyes open during the June market rally what could possibly go wrong that's the story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Every week, InvestTalk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for winning investment research. And the answer is Y-Charts. And keep this in mind, Y-Charts is a lot more than charting. Y-Charts includes dashboards, screeners, alerts, email reports, fundamental and technical analysis, plus deep-dive security research, economic data, Excel integration, model portfolios, and more. Steve Peasley uses and endorses YCharts. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. And Justin Klein agrees that YCharts is a must. And we get our data from YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform, and we find it indispensable. So with YCharts, serious investors get everything they need in one place. If you are a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and far better data and filters compared to giveaway tools from Yahoo and Google. And YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. So YCharts is, for InvestTalk, a value investment. Remember, compared to free sites, YCharts provides better tools with a more easily accessible set of robust, accurate data, all at a price point that is very affordable. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. In the words of a loyal YCharts customer, 
Ycharts saves us several hours a week. If you try and purchase Ycharts during the month of June, your 12-month paid subscription buys 14 months of Ycharts. Plus, Steve and Justin will also give you a free one-year subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Subscribe now at go.ycharts.com slash investtalk. Over the weekend, a group of KPP financial clients and listeners attended the InvestTalk Wealth Conference at the KPP offices in Irvine, California. It was a great learning opportunity for serious investors. And Steve and Justin thank all those who made time to join the sessions. And now, Justin Klein is here, ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Keith from Redondo Beach, California. I got a question about a company, LYB is the ticker. They're a, a chemical manufacturer, offshore uh, chemical manufacturer. I checked out the fundamentals and bought some of this company, and they have done nothing but drop ever since. They're down 25% since I bought them. The fundamentals look great to me. They play, pay a great dividend, profitable company. Just would like your thoughts on how a company that has such great fundamentals can fall through the floor like this. And uh, would you hang on to this? Would you buy more or would you dump it? Thanks a lot. I'll, I'll listen on the podcast. Bye-bye. All right, now he's looking at Lion Dell Basil. This is a chemical company, Netherlands-based manufacturer of polypropylene compounds. Basically, what they make are the elements for plastic uh, and nothing is more cyclical than plastic I think because it goes into almost everything that we produce these days and when you say the fundamentals are good you know I, I say it's a mixed bag um, it, it, this is clearly a very good company uh, long term their return on invested capital Kind of ranges around the around the twenty. Pull this up on Y charts here. In the in the mid twenties, uh, which is very very good, it's been trending higher for a while. But over the last few quarters, it's been trending trending down. Revenues are down ten percent last quarter. The quarter before was down three percent year over year. Earnings down twenty eight percent last quarter and thirty three percent the quarter before. So when you're saying how is this trending down? Well, its earnings and its revenues are trending down, and this is reflective of a slowing economy as a whole. So while this is probably a very good company long term, and it's certainly on my watch list to to buy for clients as well as uh, as well as myself, since we uh, practice parallel investing, uh, I would wait on this because I think the economy is going to continue to slow. This is the type of name I want to buy. Not in the first rate cut, but the last rate cut. And I could easily see this heading back down into the mid-50s, 56, 57. That's where I would love to pick this up. And I think eventually it does get there in this cycle. Would I be, if I'm a long-term buyer, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to get down there. So on on dips, if I want to if I want to uh, leg into this, maybe a third, 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 if this gets back down to maybe high 60s, around $70 a share, I would really love to start my position there and leg into it if it gets down to kind of that 57 level. So great company, but
but it's a very cyclical name and so that's why you're down on it and the chart does not look very hot uh, but the charts on most uh, cyclical names don't look very hot either so great company but I wouldn't be owning it right now but long term I think you'll be fine let's go to Charles in Moreno Valley he's looking at MLPA which I believe is a master limited partnership ETF correct that's correct Justin uh, okay. And why are you looking at this? For uh, return, for just for uh, income flow. And I'm, my, okay. question, my question is, why has it been falling over the years, and do you think it's reached bottom? Well, it's been falling over the years. It's really been falling since oil prices peaked around, uh, what, $100 a share a few years back, 2014-15 time frame. And the sector as a whole, there's been some some uh, changes to the laws around mass limited partnerships that don't give it the tax advantages that they used to. So some are actually converting from partnerships to corporations because of tax reasons. Some are maintaining their limited partnership status. But in general, it's a very risky business. That's it's very capital intensive. A lot of them have a lot of debt on their balance sheet uh, and have very leveraged balance sheets. And so if you see a big turn in the market, uh, this could get even worse. So this is a very high risk income play. I know it yields 8.4%, but this is something I've been talking about for five, you know, three, four, five years now, for now, is that everyone's chasing yield and you can't just look at that yield. It is only one right. single factor. And it may, be an important, it may be a more important factor for you than a lot of other people who may not need that yield, but Yield is only one factor, no matter how you look at it and where you where you rank it, right? So to me, this is not worth the risk. I'd rather buy something that's going to give me a more four, five, six percent yield and be a lot safer, consistent, and not have the volatility that something like this has. So I would pass on it personally, unless you're really stretching for risk and you need that yield. Well, Justin, I am taking your advice. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Charles. Yeah, I think right now, if you're looking for yield, we talked about this on our, our wealth conference on Saturday, is a covered call strategy. That's been working great because the market's going sideways. It can hedge on the downside, produce a lot of income, great for IRAs. That's where we're finding a lot of success in this market. So if that's what you're looking for yield and high yield, that's the type of strategy you need to be able to deploy or have somebody like us deploy for you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We stream and broadcast Invest Talk live on the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour each weekday. But you can also catch us 24 7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com. And of course, you can listen, subscribe, and rate Invest Talk at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk as well. Now, our phone lines are open for you. And we're taking your finance and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. 
The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. How you how you get through and ask your question on the show? We have oh what fifteen minutes left in the show. So if you're gonna call, you want to do it right now. Let's talk about cash levels for corporations. And uh, after the Trump tax cuts, cash levels got a nice solid boost uh, in, in 20, uh, 2017, 2018. And but. Now cash levels are dwindling. Uh, you saw more capital spending. Total capital expenditures rose in 2018 to a record $851 billion versus $761 billion a year ago. Now, lower taxes on corporate profits may make a lot more projects profitable to invest in, right? So think about it. If you're going to invest a certain dollar amount today, you're trying to get a certain amount of cash flow out in the future. And if each one of those of those cash flows in the future are going to yield more on a tax-adjusted basis, you're going to put more work or more capital, more money to work today. And so that has pushed the calculus of building a factory or deploying capital in some way to help a business long term, it's turned that into a slightly more advantageous prospect. And so this is one of the reasons why you saw a lot of companies uh, and a lot of people in government and outside of government push for tax cuts. And clearly it does work to some degree because a lot of corporations are becoming more eager to deploy their capital. But they're also very eager to return the tax savings to shareholders. Shareholder buybacks rose 60.4% from 2017 to 2018. So while a lot of, while some jobs were created and there was an increase in capital expenditures because of the tax cuts, there was also a much bigger effect on shareholder buybacks and I think that's what you what really held the market up in 2018 and even into this year was that increase in corporate buybacks. Now what's worrying though is that has slowed. Business investment spiked in the first and second quarters of last year, 11.7 and 8.7% respectively as that tax cut hit, right? Companies are doing the calculus and they're deploying a lot of capital, but that has steadily fallen since that high watermark point in the first quarter of last year and only rose 2.7% in the first quarter of this year. So a lot of that stimulus, a lot of that excitement around the tax cuts on the corporate side has definitely faded since. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing a slowdown in the economy and likely a recession later this year, early next. Let's go to Lee in San Mateo, San Mateo, excuse me, looking at Merck, correct? Yes, that's correct. Thank you for taking my call, oh, Justin. Yes, um, of course. I own quite a, a lot of work, and I I just want to know whether it will, it's a good time to sell some, and if so, what would be uh, the price? Okay. 
First question, what percent of your overall portfolio is Merck? Uh, I would say 20%. Okay. Or more than then absolutely, yeah. absolutely, you should have no more than 5% of your portfolio in any one name. Now you've you've gotten lucky, and this is, has rallied a lot, and it's probably risen as a percentage of your overall portfolio because it's done fairly well over the last few years. And we're getting close to the 2,000 highs on Merck. That was very close to $100 a share, $97 a share. Now you're at 85. Uh, I think this is a great time to unload some shares of of Merck. It's it's not super expensive. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 15. So uh, it's not cheap, but not super expensive either. Uh, so I, I and technically though, this looks like a a lot of resistance up here from its 2,000 highs. So uh, I, because you own 20% of your portfolio is in Merck, and this is uh, it's rallied so much, and the valuations don't look cheap, I absolutely would be cutting that 20% down to 5% of your overall portfolio. Okay, so right okay. now it's 85 80, uh, like that. Is that a good price? I would now? do it right here. Right size your portfolio, redeploy that capital, uh, maybe into a different sector. I definitely would add some gold names. I think that would be a great place to take some of this money, buy a few gold miners, maybe some just GLD or GDX, it, diversify your portfolio a little bit uh, because I think this is a great time technically, fundamentally, and the fact that it's such a big part of your portfolio, you definitely want to be unloading here. Let's go to Gary in San Jose, looking at WSO, which is Wattsco, correct? Correct. So I own it, I bought it in the low 140s, and it's about 4% of my portfolio. And I bought it for the dividend, but it looks, you know, I'm worried about the housing market and the you know, replenishment on HVA systems. So what do you think? Yeah, this is a Watsco company, and they distribute air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration products for the replacement and home building markets. And I think you're correct. I am worried about the housing market. What's, what's interesting in the housing market for me is that usually this large backup in rates that we've had from about a 5% mortgage rates now to about three and three quarters, it should give a very strong boost to the housing market. And while it's given a boost, it's been pretty meager. And so I agree with you that it, it, this, is, this is a worrying time for the housing market. And from a valuation standpoint, it's very expensive in relation to its growth. Revenue grew 1% last quarter year-over-year. Year. Earnings fell 1% year-over-year. Uh, year. I don't like that. They don't have a lot of debt, which is positive, but their enterprise value to EBITDA is 165 which is extremely high uh, for a company growing so so weak. Right, so that that dividend is nice. Uh, I like that dividend, but technically, it, it kind of broke down late last year. Kind of with the overall market, it's rallied back, but it's rel it hasn't making made new highs, even though the S and P you know is is right near new highs. So relatively, it's been weak. I definitely would be lowering my exposure, and that payout ratio is ninety one percent, very high, very high. So the it doesn't look like they're able to. That they should be able to raise that dividend too much in the in the near term. I would absolutely be reducing or eliminating my exposure to Watsco. Okay. 
Thanks for the call, Gary. No problem. Now, bonus story. Domino's Pizza wants to deliver pizzas using driverless cars. The company called Neuro is partnering with Domino's in Houston, Texas for a test of APD, Autonomous Pizza Delivery. Service is still developing, but Neuro has a track record of successful testing with Kroger. So, hey, you might not, that, that delivery, that pizza delivery driver of the past might be going away. Pretty interesting. Now, as we go to a break, here's a quick tease for you. McDonald's has switched from frozen to fresh beef patties in the mainland United States. The decision has been good for them. How many more quarter pounders were sold in quarter one this year compared to quarter one of last year? All the answer next. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, why you should keep your eyes open during the June market rally. What could possibly go wrong? That story tomorrow. But now, Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I asked this question. How many more quarter pounders were sold in Q1 of this year with fresh beef compared to Q1 of last year? And the answer is 40 million more. Pretty crazy. Guess it. Uh, guess it all worked out for them. Let's go to Jim in Indiana. He's asking about GDX, which is the gold mining ETF. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. I've kind of been waiting on this to pull back, but it keeps going up, and RSI has, you know, kind of gone up as well. Um, I I don't really know what to make of it because I kind of keep expecting it to pull back. Do you have any thoughts on it? Well, it's certainly overbought, but hey, uh, when you have gold breaking out of a two-year base of consolidation after the start of what I've been saying for a while now was the start of a longer-term bull market in early 2016 when gold, the first half of uh, 2016, was very, very strong, and we've been kind of consolidating ever since, and uh, so you're talking about three years of consolidation, it, that's a strong launch pad for gold prices, and I think this is a very good time to be adding gold to your, even though after this move, I think you just have to get in. It's gonna probably pull back, but it's probably also going to take off many dozens of percent from here over the next few years. So yes, it's overbought, but on any pullback, any pullback at all, I would absolutely be buying GDX. I love it here, my absolute, by far, favorite place to be in this market, and I'll tell you why. The deficit, the off-balance sheet liabilities that we have are coming on balance sheet because of baby boomers. There are 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day, and they're not paying taxes anymore, and now they're pulling Social Security, they're pulling Medicare benefits, and this is what is driving up the deficit. This situation, and we're at max max unemployment as well as very high asset prices. What happens when that switches? Our deficit is about to explode, and there is an inverse correlation between gold prices and our deficit. Let's go to Dan in the Bay Area. He's looking at SRC. This is Spirit Realty Capital. Yeah, hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. I bought this one uh, before it 
spun out um, a uh, um, another uh, unit off of it with quote unquote high leverage, so a lot of debt basically. So they got rid of their yep. debt with the spin off. And uh, it has done very well uh, since then. Uh, well, it has done well. Um, I bought it for the dividend, but it just did so well that I'm wondering now, should I sell it or or keep it? Yeah. The reason I don't like this is because the vast majority of their portfolio, this is a, re a real estate investment trust, Spirit Realty Capital is the name yields about five and a half percent, but the vast majority of their portfolio is composed of retail properties, general merchandise companies, casual dining chains, quick service restaurant chains, etc. So, you know, they're fairly diversified throughout the United States, but I don't like that space that they are in. So that's what worries me overall. And that's why I just wouldn't own own this name. I think there's a lot better REITs in a lot better sectors. You know, their, uh, their cash flow. Let me look at their free cash flow here. It looks to be, yeah, it looks like it's been a downtrend. It peaked in early 2017 or late 2016 and has been a downtrend ever since. So I don't like that trend. Uh, profitability is down 20% year over year. Revenues are growing again, but only 9% year over year. I just don't love it. It's not a good, to me, it's not an exciting uh, REIT name. Even though I gen generally like REITs, this is not the place that I would be. All right. I'll put a hard stop on it. Fight stop. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I would, def I would definitely do uh, a trailing hard stop, uh, maybe 3 5% below where you're at today. Great call, great questions, and uh, I'm happy everyone can tune in. It's been a great show, a great hour, and I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here, and I will return uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, someday this week. We'll figure it out. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.